0: The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. Well, cafe, Tech Talk. (laughs) I'm way ahead of myself. We're trying to get into the cafe as quickly as we possibly can. As you can understand, we haven't been out for so long. I think we're all going a little stir-crazy. But anyway... Back at the ranch, here we are um, almost in June. Can you believe this? Uh, I think most of South Africa will be getting back to normal come the beginning of June, which is quite a big step for all of us out of our little warm cocoons and homes and flats and houses and wherever we've been. And we're going to get back to... um, back to normal at some level or the other. But the the whole pause that the world's gone on certainly has impacted every single aspect of how we work, where we go, what we do, um, the toys we play with, and how we communicate has been an incredibly important and considerable change across pretty much everything that we do. And technology... Has played an absolutely fundamental role in keeping the wheels turning, keeping the economies going, keeping us in touch uh, with uh, our office colleagues with our friends' family and every and with everyone else out there, so it has been quite a big, big change, and social media, for all the pros and the cons and everything else that have been going on, social media call it Twitter, call it uh, YouTube. Call it um, Facebook. It doesn't matter which one of them that you play with, or all of them at any point in time. But there's no question social media has played a massive role in all of this. And interestingly, and it has hit as high as the president of the United States. All the um, social media companies are busy trying to clean up their fake news and fact-checking issues. But I'll tell you a little bit more about that because I've been told that we have a quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now let's get back to some tech and what's happening. Well, a a major issue is is brewing with social media in the United States, and mainly because um, President Donald Trump tweeted a couple of, Tweets in in his usual somewhat uh, excitable manner, and Twitter in fact fact checked them. They appended it, it was to do with the voting. They appended a little notification that people that viewers or viewers listeners readers. ...of the tweets should in fact go to a fact-checking website and check out these facts. Well, President Trump was uh, certainly not happy with that, uh, despite the fact that that is an automatic process that happens to everybody who uses the Twitter platform. And he's now about to issue an executive order requesting uh, an inquiry into the social media companies and their ability to manage uh, facts and figures... Interestingly enough, as much as it sounds like a ludicrous control and something that shouldn't be done, it actually raises a couple of really interesting questions around do, in fact, these companies have the power to shape um, conversations, to shape things within the social context out there because they have enormous reach. Billions of people use these platforms, billions of people follow and interact and get involved. And if there's in, is there, and if there is any bias or any form of manipulation going on, it's very important that we know about it and that it is totally transparent and that we are not misled or directed subtly in ways that perhaps are contrary to good public governance or to, to whatever. There's no question that information is important but there is a certain requirement that information being supplied is fairly neutral, is not being guided, and we are not seeing some form of suppression going on. Obviously, uh, in this case, it has now become a huge issue. So expect a lot of news around the showdown between uh, President Trump, his administration, and the various social media networks, with parties on both sides of the the equation screaming and shouting about freedom of expression as well as the right to, to say whatever you want to say without any unfettered or without any measure of control over the correctness of what you're saying. But I believe that Twitter, in fact, were quite right. They should have absolutely controlled what was going on through their platform. The danger for them is that this executive order, ultimately, if it's upheld, will make them much more responsible for the content that you post on their platform. They can no longer stand back and say, you know, they're simply supplying a platform and not actually supplying um, anything more to do that. You know, anything more than simply the platform whereas the content belongs to the user, and they have no responsibility for that content. However, um, I I see a lot of change coming in that space. We're going to watch and see and uh, play around, and uh, I think there's going to be some exciting stuff coming out of the the management and control of – social media from various governments and various platforms going forward. So stay tuned. I'll try to fill you in as this whole madness unfolds. But again, just a general rule on social media. Don't become a social media expert. Don't become a Facebook evangelist of any particular one side of an equation, especially if it's exactly what you want to hear or think you understand. So much stuff on the Internet is simply... Nonsense, so much stuff is unsubstantiated uh, info. And stay aware that you can fact-check things, you can understand what's going on. The good information is, is in many ways, as accessible as the bad information that floats around on social media. So don't just take whatever's sent to you as gospel, no matter who it comes from. So this was as high as the uh, President of the United States, and in fact... Um, some of the things he was tweeting were not correct, uh, as unbelievably. But there we go. Now, on a completely different note, as we know that we are going into level three of the lockdown from one June, and the big announcements coming this afternoon. Well, this afternoon was going to be the launch of Huawei's P40 Pro within South Africa. They've already launched the P40 Lite, which looks like quite the the hardware, um, and there. In lies a really interesting story. Huawei have gone from nowhere over the last six years to becoming, as of last year, one of the la- almost the largest um, cell phone manufacturer in the world and seller in the world. And then, unfortunately, or depending on your perspective, um, America imposed a ban on Huawei with regard to their um, their acquisition of American uh, technologies and. They have definitely fallen foul of the entire um, trade war between America and China. Again, not getting into the politics of it, but the simple fact is that from being a high-flying cell phone brand, mm-hmm. they have now been forced in many, many ways into becoming a bit of a Chinese-only um, brand as far as I can see. So the P40 Lite is out. The P40 Pro is coming out tomorrow. Um, Hopefully, I'll get one in my hands to play with. But all the initial reports is that this is a tour de force with regard to quality. It's a tour de force of technological excellence. Unfortunately, there is a huge, huge fly in the ointment. Uh, And that is, simply put, the P40 Pros, all the new P40s, no matter which one, and all the new phones from Huawei currently do not have a full implementation of Android or Google services. So they they run Android, a free open source version of Android. They run their the the, Google, the um, Huawei UI, so they look and feel and, and continue to behave pretty much like any other Android phone on the market, with one massive, massive, massive flaw. And that flaw, very simply put, is that there is no Google services. So there's no Google Maps. There's no ways, there's nothing that is supplied by Google on the phone. It has been replaced by a version of services created and managed by Huawei, and they've done a pretty remarkable job up to now to get it going. But they certainly have forty, fifty thousand 50,000 apps on their, their platform, a lot of them Chinese ports, quite a few South African apps. But it... Compared to the the uh, Play Store, it is a minuscule amount of apps, and it could prove to be a real no-brainer. Anyway, um, I'll be back. We've got another quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back in a few minutes with Tech Talk Cafe, where we're talking about contact tracking and uh, how that's going to impact on you and I in the whole. Uh, Cove going forward into this whole sort of semi-free COVID nineteen environment that we all operate in, and I'll try to explain where we are and how it's going to work. So I'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on one hundred one point nine High FM. There is no question that we are are moving into a completely new era of of life, of social activity, of work, and Technology, once again, is going to play an absolutely crucial, critical, and extremely important role in how this is all going to to pan out. There's no question that in order to save the economies globally, it's not only a South African problem. If you've been watching the news, local news in places like the Netherlands, the UK, America, all the same challenges with regard to unlocking the economy, getting people back to work, getting people back out of their lockdown homes, creating economic activity that can support and grow the various countries back into some sort of normalcy, um, it has become a massive challenge. Our kids are going to school um, from next week, Monday, so, and again, in many places, the Northern Hemisphere, interestingly enough, is moving almost towards the end of the year with the holiday season coming up in essentially a month's time. So there's been a huge push to getting people back out, back on track, back into public uh, transport. Um, who knows when we'll be back on planes, but that's a whole nother story. However, that all comes back to a simple fact that we need to be able to manage the spread of this disease as we go ahead. And one of the key Areas that has makes perfect sense, and obviously where the whole COVID-19 thing started in China has been a critical component of managing um, the process going forward. And that is smartphones. Smartphones are pretty much ubiquitous across the world. South Africa now is sitting at around about 70% smartphone penetration. There has been a big change in the data space, which is going to facilitate the growth of of smartphones. Data has fallen, the prices have dropped, Uh, most of the networks are giving a so-called free allowance every day for certain data. But more critically than that, what they're starting to do is that certain websites, educational sites, and all sorts of other sites um, have started zero rating access to those particular services, platforms, websites, etc. And zero rating simply means that all you need is one active SIM and That active sim can then be used for massive amount of contact, communication, and everything that you need to do. And again, the, the smartphones and even some of the smart feature phones, which are not really, uh, smartphones, do have Bluetooth. And a lot of global countries and companies and people are starting to look at contact tracking apps, um, which will now, will allow uh, the the authorities to be able to control hotspots, breakouts and various um, issues around COVID-19 in a much more focused way. So instead of using the blunt edged lockdown uh, scenario where we all just have to stay away from everything and stop our lives until the pandemic passes, what they're going to be doing is using tracking apps based on smart devices and some not so smart devices, but smartphone The smartphone will become the scalpel that will allow the the authorities to be able to control outbreak and contact. Now, there's massive, and I've had conversations with a ton of people, the security and privacy issues around contact tracing apps has created more controversy than anything else. I've had people switch their phones off uh, before they'll talk to you, or they tell me that they refuse to go anywhere with their phones on because they're going to be tracked and they might be. You know, told that breaking curfew or who knows what's going on. But the paranoia that has arisen around the simple fact that you may be tracked through your cell phone has become pretty intense across the globe and certainly in South Africa. And here are the very simple facts. The first fact is that your mobile phone, when it's connected to a mobile network, is sending its location data and its approximate positioning all the time for lots of good reasons. One, you need you need to be able, the network needs to be able to know where you are so that it can give you the best service. And as you move around and from one tower to another tower, you tend to find that your location is recorded and tracked from that point of view. The other thing is Google definitely is tracking you wherever you go. And if you use any form of of uh, mapping app, You're being tracked almost down to a meter in order to be able to position you so that they can direct you to where you need to be going on any point in time. So the amount of tracking that is going on already is pretty intense if you use a smartphone of any nature. So you already are being tracked for lots of good reasons and for a lot of reasons that make sense for you. I mean, who who can navigate around the world, around the the country without using some form of uh you know, driving app or tracking app or map app. But it gets far more granular than that should you need to require um, a contact tracking solution. So now what has happened is iOS, uh, Apple, and Android have included in their latest versions of their operating systems an API. And an API stands for uh, a programming interface and, and nothing more than that. So what they've enabled at the operating system level is an int is a methodology and an interface to share that location data both based on bluetooth and using the gps chip in your phone um, to an app which then would link to a, a national database or some form of tracking system the main and the most likely proposed tracking app system that you're going to see coming out in the nearish future. And I have no question that certainly we're going to see it in South Africa. And if international travel resumes, you are going to be required on landing after massive screening and delays. Give yourself lots of time. Travel is about to become a major problem for anyone going anywhere. Um, you will be required to download an app, register the app so that the country that you're visiting or the country, country that you're in will be able to track your movements for lots of good reasons. One, they may require quarantine, and they want to check that you actually do quarantine yourself. But all of this intrusive stuff is going to become much more prevalent. But the most common app that we'll probably see in the country very shortly is one that works on Bluetooth. And how that works is very, very simple. Bluetooth is a near-field solution. So, in other words, most people's Bluetooth does not work beyond 10 meters, maximum 15 meters of where they are. And we've all had that problem. You leave your phone, you're wearing Bluetooth headphones, you wander into the next room, and the sound breaks up. That's Bluetooth. It's short-range, but it is a radio signal. And it is 99% always on. So, um, it's always out there looking for other Bluetooth Phones and Bluetooth pieces of equipment and trying to connect should it so require well, what this API does enable it enables Bluetooth phones to connect with each other using total rubbish, in other words, they 're not sending your information or any information that is particularly relevant to you, however, they do identify themselves to each other and should you come into contact with someone using your smartphone, you both have smartphones, and the two communicate via Bluetooth and you spend up to about fifteen minutes in the presence of that person, um, that information will be recorded on both people's phones via this API through to a to a database somewhere. And this is where it gets super interesting. Should you, as a person, then go and have a COVID nineteen test and be tested positive for whatever reason? Um, and you then utilize your country or your or, or one of the apps that are coming out pretty much free on the internet, but it also always depends on an internet on a database that's being managed by, let's say, um, some sort of health authority somewhere in the in the country or somewhere in the world. You will then upload the fact that you have been tested positive and that information will be anonymized it, no none of your personal information will be shared, but what it will do is that for the last for the the, the recent past um as well as going forward, should you come in contact with anybody else for a, a for a reasonable amount of time and they're talking around about fifteen minutes if you're in the presence of someone for around about fifteen minutes, that person will be notified that they have come into contact with someone who has um, being tested positive for COVID-19, and they should then self-quarantine, and should they experience any symptoms, they should go and have a test done to ensure, to see what their status is. And in that way, they are protecting the level of privacy amongst us that is very important. In other words, at no time will anyone be informed who it was that I mean, by deduction you could probably figure it out at some level. But if essentially, if you're on public transport, um, you don't know the people with you, with with whom you you are. Um, it certainly can help with track and trace. It can certainly help to get. The information to you as quickly as possible because the biggest challenge around COVID is that you can be totally asymptomatic and not even know that you have been infected and spread the virus without any warning whatsoever. And this app theoretically within a very short time of that person who has been tested positive being either voluntarily puts the information on the database or as the test goes up, it goes on to a national database they can then control the spread by tracking the people and notifying people, guess what, you were in contact, please contact us and we'll do a test. So there obviously are security concerns in this. Obviously, nobody wants to know that they're being tracked and traced. But I think the responsible thing going forward, should these apps come out, which I have no doubt will do in a very short while, is that we have to, in 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 the need or the nature of what is going on with the whole pandemic spread globally and locally, I think we're all going to have to download them. We're going to have to participate, whether it's voluntary, as has been proposed in the United States and in many places around the world. Your participation is voluntary, not mandatory. I believe that it's going to be in all our best interests to participate with these various uh, tracking apps. The the fact that they've built them into the underlying operating system of Android and iOS will make them available to probably 90% of the people with smartphones out there. And they only need to get to around about 60%. The the stats show that if they can get 60% of people um, in a population using these apps and tracking and allowing full track and trace, allowing the self-quarantine, they'll bring the R0 uh, factor, which is the infectious factor, down well below, down below one. And the pandemic itself will then quietly extinguish itself because <clears throat> everybody will be spreading less uh, than one person at a time. And on that basis, the pandemic will go down considerably. So technology has an incredible ability to bring everything together in, in, in a really quick, clever and painless way the the lack of um security well i think the security aspect will be well handled but the privacy aspect is going to be something that you and i and the rest of the world will debate considerably going forward but the key to most of the new technologies is that they're going to use anonymized information they're not going to share you're not going to get a a, a message from uh, your cousin saying hey we were in contact um, Steve, you now need to go into quarantine because I've been tested positive. It'll be a much more anonymous version of that. You'll just be notified that someone that you were in contact with recently, they may even include as you know, as of yesterday at twelve oh five, which will definitely give you an idea of where you were. But that information will be used to essentially control hotspots and make it possible for you and I to go out with our day to day um Businesses meet people physically again, obviously social distancing, masks, hand sanitizing and all the good stuff that goes with it, non-tech physical stuff. But the technology itself, having your phone on and working with your phone will be absolutely critical um, to the spread and the contact of of the various things with the virus. So I would say that should these apps come out, obviously – may not be uh, something that you want to do it may not be something that you're keen to do but the paranoia and all the nonsense around switching your phone off and that you don't download iOS 13.5 because it has this ability will be a huge challenge uh, for all of us and i think we need to download the update for iOS if you're an, an apple fan you might not even notice the api being installed via the the google play store coming in the next short while, because that's how they do it, they simply update the um, the Google underlying system, and it doesn't matter which version of the of the operating system you're on, the Google play uh, subsystem or the, the the subsystem that allows maps and everything else to work, as I was talking about with the Huawei setup, will simply update your device to enable the ability for this Bluetooth tracking and the various types of COVID um, apps and everything is definitely going to become part and parcel of what you do. So don't worry about switching your phone off. It's I don't think anyone's in at this stage is going to be chasing you to find out where you're going, but uh, it is a little bit of a slippery slope, and I think that the various bodies out there are doing their damnedest to ensure that this information won't be used for Any other purpose other than the purpose that it's created for tracking COVID-19 activity. But as we move out and as we start more normal life, we're going to have to accept that certain constraints on our, on our world are coming and those technical constraints are definitely going to make it very interesting because people will know yours or people will be watching where you go, what you do, who you meet. And um, it's going to be quite a different way of looking at things. The smartphone will actually become even more important rather than just a a YouTube-watching, game-playing, tweeting, and Facebooking machine that it has been up to now. And on that note, um, let's have a quick break for our sponsors. I'll be back, and I'm talking about how to fix your Wi-Fi in the home. It's a huge challenge um, at the moment we really, 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 all, all of us are working from home, and I watch TV, and I speak to colleagues and people around for work, and the Wi-Fi is often terrible. People break up, you can't hear them, and they're all on fibre and they start moaning. So we'll, I'll give you some hints and tips, review some new gear that I'm trying, and uh, let you know how to fix your Wi-Fi straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back, and um, just again, I <laughs> tell you this Covid nineteen seems to be eating our 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 uh, minds quietly. There's just so much around it, but I suppose there's just so much change happening. but Bennett's funny enough, something that everyone with a baby has ever used, famous cream for their little backsides, but anyway, Bennett's Family Care Hand Sanitizer has been formulated according to the World Health Organization standards for sanitizers. They use an 80% alcohol sanitizer, which is ideal for use when water and soap are not readily available. It's got glycerine to help your skin feel smooth and soft, and is also a surface disinfectant. So Bennett's Hand Sanitizer is available from leading retailers in all sorts of different sizes, trade inquiries are welcome. So if you're looking for hand sanitizer that you can trust, use Bennett's. Anyway, back to uh, tech talk and gadgets and gizmos. Now, Wi-Fi is about to get a massive update this year. Um, You're going to start seeing this rolling out all over the show. And they're going to be using interesting new terminology, which I actually think has cleaned things up a lot. You're going to hear a lot about Wi-Fi two, three, four, five, and six. No longer using crazy acronyms 802.1n or 802nac or all sorts of other stuff that geeks absolutely love to rattle off. But the simple, the simple new um, Wi-Fi naming convention will be. Pretty much prevalent across everything. And what, here's what you need to look out for. 99% of us currently, if you bought your router in the last two, three years, are using Wi-Fi 5, which is AC or N or, or a version of, of Wi-Fi that's been around for quite a while, for many years, in fact. And right now, Wi-Fi 5 is actually pretty good In a normal implementation. So if you've got a decent router and you're pretty close to that decent router and there aren't too many of you on the Wi-Fi network within your home or your business, Wi-Fi 5 um, has been, is pretty effective. It's the old AC. Um, It's the old N, and it it worked on two different frequencies, 2.4 and 5 gig. And for the most part, it was pretty good at at pretty much everything you needed with regard to Wi-Fi. It worked well with your laptops. It worked well with your uh, smartphones. It was pretty good with TVs for streaming. But it had a couple of major flaws. One, the technology, by today's standards, is pretty old. Wi-Fi 5 was ratified Probably five, six years ago. And a lot has changed in the, <clears throat> in the Wi-Fi space. Mostly because of, of mobile. Mobile has moved from 3G to 4G to 5G, um, in the space of the last couple of years. And that is the same time as Wi-Fi actually hasn't changed. And who over the past few years hasn't Experience the hassle. You've got a Wi-Fi connection. You logged on, and yet the signal's terrible. The speeds are incredibly so slow. Your YouTube videos buffer, and people start complaining. But I've just put in a brand-new 100-meg fiber line, and yet I still can't watch a YouTube video. I still can't watch Netflix streaming smoothly to any device. And the main reason was because of the nature and structure of Wi-Fi 5. One, it wasn't great um, at long range it wasn 't good at multiple demands. It also was subject to a lot of interference i 'm not going to go into all the technical reasons of what was going on. It also had a rather clunky way of logging on and connecting. There was all these things where you had to push buttons and put in codes and there were it was just a little bit of a a difficult situation, and certainly in the work environment, you often found that if you were trying to use it for critical things like video conferencing, you you struggled a little with the various elements of it. Now, Wi Fi six is it has just been launched, and it's going to um, pretty much fix all of that. It uses multiple MIMO, which is multiple antennas, so you're going to see much more routers with lots of antennas, not just one or two little sticks sticking up. Four to eight of them uh, are possible. I'm I'm busy trying a brand-new Asus Wi-Fi 6 router right now, and um, that has four massive antenna poking up through the box. And the main benefit of this is that Wi-Fi 6 now is based pretty much on cellular technology. So what it allows the router to do is apart from massive improvements in in actual overall speeds up to 4 gig, which is pretty academic for most of us. However, it actually makes a difference if you're busy on an internal network transferring data. But the next benefit of Wi-Fi 6 and the most important benefit of Wi-Fi 6 is that it can actually multitask. Wi-Fi 5 had one real problem. What it could do was send a signal to one device, It then would have to pause that device and send a signal to another device. Now that could happen pretty quickly, um, and obviously the better routers had big processors and and powerful radios, so you could hardly notice when that was happening. Whereas some cheap routers, and this is something else I'll recommend right now, um, the cheap routers that came with your your fiber installation or the one that you had lying around had a very poor processor, had low memory, and because of that, the, the basically the computer in your router was really really weak and old. Every time it had to deal with more than one or two or three Wi-Fi connections, um, it would struggle because it would have to time slice between all of them and send the signal sequentially. So the one would pause while it was being uh, attached to the next. And obviously, with the proliferation of devices in the home, I mean, right now, two kids, two adults – Um, in the living room with a TV trying to stream YouTube video or something. Everybody's working through. You've got five to seven. Then you've got a watch. You've got an iPad. You've got a computer. You've got anywhere up to ten devices all trying to connect to Wi-Fi at the same time in the same room. And trust me, even the best Wi-Fi 5 takes a little bit of strain. Well, Wi-Fi 6 will not have that limitation. We're going to see a massive improvement in how Wi-Fi works it can multitask and it actually connect to many, many more um, devices at the same time and send information or signals to all of those devices at the same time simultaneously as long as you, long as them, as long as the device itself has Wi-Fi 6. Now, right now, all the latest smartphones from Apple, from Huawei, interestingly, from Samsung and many others have Wi-Fi 6 built in. All the new laptops with Intel, the latest Intel Wi-Fi chips have Wi-Fi 6 built in, and more and more Wi-Fi 6 is going to happen. But the benefit of Wi-Fi 6 is that in an environment where you have Wi-Fi 6 uh, on both sides, both in the device and on your router, um, the the ability of Wi-Fi 6 to deal with Wi-Fi 5 and below devices at the same time is not diminished. Obviously the speeds with Wi-Fi 6 to Wi-Fi 6 is more than more than double, four to five times better. But overall the ability of a Wi-Fi 6 network to deal with multiple devices simultaneously will change everything. You'll be able to stream a 4K video, play a YouTube on a couple of d- uh, of devices, transfer information, receive your emails, browse the web much more smoothly. And I can see, boy, oh boy, our time's flying. I'll be, we have a break in one second. But I've been working with two devices recently, two, um, Asus devices, um, an AC88, uh, AX88 and AX58 uh, routers with a Wi-Fi mesh network, um, in my, my lounge. And I've been streaming 4K video to two TVs at the same time. Using wireless, now neither of those TVs are Wi-Fi 6 enabled, but I have been testing the speeds using an iPhone 5, um, an Android uh, Samsung S20 device, and the speeds are 4, 500 megabits per second easily on Wi-Fi was achieved while all this other stuff's going on. And I've noticed a huge improvement in smoothness. Anyway, I'll be back with uh, my little wrap-up of what you need to do to fix your Wi-Fi straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 Hi-FM. Well, welcome back. And just I have a great app that I think everyone should download, use, and and uh, have on their phones, which I'll talk about in four minutes Uh, But right now, I just want to do a quick wrap-up on Wi-Fi. I think I got a little lost in the difference between Wi-Fi 5 and Wi-Fi 6. But I've had the benefit of working with a brand-new Asus router, the rtax fifty eight u which is – um, not in inexpensive, and I think this is an important thing it 's around about four and a half five thousand rand for a router. A lot of people have said to me, Are you crazy i 'm not going to spend that on a router, but think about it you put yourself you buy yourself a hundred meg fiber line you connect it up to a cheap sub thousand rand router with basically only one little pokey antenna coming out of it, which is definitely wifi four point five not even wi fi six um, and um, you 're going to struggle with your wifi so let me just quickly read a, a, a little live read, and then I'll be back with um, what we need to do about fixing your Wi-Fi and mesh networking in one sentence. But um, you have to stop what you're doing and listen to this tire deal. Buy four tires of any size and get wheel alignment free. Buy only two tires, a 195, 15 or bigger, and get free alignment. And did you know that – uh they still this is motor mags and tires next door to McDonald's in Louis Berta Avenue. I just must say that because they ask, they ask that uh, you'd know that they sell batteries. well, they do Mike levy, who I've actually dealt with funnily enough, has been in the business tire business for fifty years, and he is the boss that does it himself. He's actually there all the time, so if you're looking for a good deal on tires, wheel alignment, batteries, you name it, pop into motor mags. Entire, right next door to McDonald's on Louis Berta Avenue, and uh, they're open every day except Shabbos, so go for it. Their number is 011-440-9540. So back to Wi-Fi quickly, because I think this is a topic that a lot of people are interested in. Spend a little bit more money than you would expect on a Wi-Fi router. Over a year, over the two years that that device will last it will definitely pay for itself. It will make your Wi-Fi much smoother and a powerful processor with the number of devices that we all have, um, from watches to iPads to iPhones to Android phones to computers, streaming TVs, are just putting an enormous demand on your router. As I said, I've been trying these new uh, Asus, Asus versions, both the AX58U and the um 68 and both of them are exceptional, massive processors, incredibly fast, Wi-Fi 6 compatible. And they have something called AI mesh, so you can add if your house is huge and you need to sort of fill in the, the blank spots and the spots of the hot spots, the dead spots, Um these are excellent for that. And in any event, I will actually do a little bit of a feature in the next week or so on mesh Wi-Fi routers because that's a new, another new technology that people know about. But in any home, especially in South Africa, with concrete walls, with solid, uh, you know, concrete and metal ceilings in in multiple buildings, it is really difficult for any Wi-Fi signal of any nature to get through. And using mesh routers or routers of that sort or routers such as the Asus routers, um, makes a huge difference to the ability to get clean, fast Wi-Fi pretty much across your entire house. So watch out for Wi-Fi 6. If you're going to invest in a new router, don't buy cheap. Buy something more expensive and future-proof your network using something that has Wi-Fi 6. It'll be on the box, and if anyone wants to sell you anything, ask them. Is this thing Wi-Fi 6 compatible? So I'll definitely, um, update this topic, uh, in the near future. But what I want to talk about is something that Vodacom has done with a company called What3Words. Now, What3Words, you can look it up online. It's What3 the number, words, um, has taken a methodology of locating people within three meter, three, within a, within a three, t- three meter box anywhere in the world. And Vodacom have now zero-rated this for lots of reasons. It's emergency services. So if you're stuck in the road in the middle of nowhere and you have a problem, all you need to do is send them your three words, what three words, and that the emergency services will be able to locate you wherever you are uh, in the in the world and in South Africa. And Vodacom have made it free. So whether you uh, – they have a website. You can log on to it. So go to what 3 And you can see exactly where you are down to three meters and you'll be able to get that even if you have no data. It's a brilliant thing to have. Save the link on your, your phone. You can tell emergency services or friends and family wherever you are, you plug it in and it'll take you straight to you using GPS um, and all for free. So well done, Vodacom. They've done some really good stuff in that space and uh, it's a well worth, it's an app well worth having. It's a system well worth knowing, so don't forget it. It's what, the number three words, and uh, you, you can find yourself anywhere in the world as simple as telling them three words. they random, and they're amazing. Anyhow, that is my time for today. Um, I have to wrap up. It's been real fun. Wi-Fi, COVID, and what three words. Don't forget that one. I think it's really useful. Might be helpful for you down the road. This is Stephen Ambrose for HiFM right here. Right now, and I'll be back next week with some more wonderful news about tech and everything else. Thanks so much for for listening, and I'll be back soon.